hey, I'm engaged, guys. This is Emma. She's hiding down there. Um, we, we, we had, you can come up for the crunchy in the next service. That's right. Um, we had our engagement party yesterday. Don't worry, we were all fast asleep by like six. <laughs> People wear you down, you know, so no, that's cool. Hey, look, we're getting into our series, Sowing and Reaping. Um, and I think, you know, if there's one thing that is constant in this life, it is sowing and reaping. Even in Genesis chapter 8, it talks about how there's certain things that will never cease. God comes after he's flooded this earth, and he's like, look, there are some things that will never change. There will always be cold, and there will always be hot. There will always be summer and winter. There will always be night and day, and there will always be seed time and harvest. If there's one thing that is constant, if there's one thing that you can rely on, it is sowing and reaping as like a biblical principle. And I think I love this because my generation is terrible at it. And the generation coming after, Generation Z, we are terrible at sowing and reaping. We are the entitled generation. We love to reap, but we don't like to sow. And we have people coming out of university and coming out, leaving home, and all of a sudden they want a car that their parents have. They want a house like their parents have. They want to be in the same position in their careers like their parents are. And all of a sudden, they're finding all this personal debt as they're trying to maintain this lifestyle that it took their parents 20, 30 years to, walk, to work towards just to be able to reap. And so my generation, sowing and reaping doesn't come easily. And so I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I've preached a couple of times. I was trying to prepare this message and a couple of years ago I preached on sowing and reaping as well with the parable of the sower and at the start of this year I preached on being planted and being buried and so I want to take a different tact this morning and I want to preach on something a little bit more closer to home Um, and it's actually something that I came across about 10 years ago. I preached on this 10 years ago at Elam and Tauranga as a tithing message and pretty much looking back now I knew nothing. (laughs) After going through 10 years of life, once God had revealed this, this type of sowing and reaping, it's like, man, I don't know what I was talking about back then, but I've got a new perspective now, okay? As you go through life, God reveals different things. So our passage this morning is Psalms 126, and it's verses 5 to 6, and it says, King James, we're going King James because the wording is pressed. Caleb, I know, I did this for you, Okay. It's the only King James this morning, so we're just, then we go back to NIV. It says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth weeping, I'll just take off the TH at the end, just to, you know, weepeth, weeping. He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What I want to speak on this morning is the precious seed. And, you know, a couple of months ago, I was teaching at school. I got a class of 10-year-olds. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this little promotion going on from New World. Just um, putting my two cents in. Here we go. Little advert. Um, If you spend a certain amount of money at New World, you get my little garden. Okay? Um, I don't know if you've done them, but pretty much they come with a random seed on the inside. And you plant it, and it grows. And voila, you have lettuce or something like this. This one is... This one is like um, some radish. Who wants radish, you know? This is going in the bin. Um, But anyway, anyway, New World came to our school. New World came to our school, and they had like a 1,000 of these that were left over, and they didn't want to use them in their new promotion. So they're like, hey, look, you guys can have them for free. 
And so I go along and I get a class set and um, I set this amazing thing up with my class, talking to them about how to look after something, how to nurture a plant, how to, you know, each one of you is going to get this and it's your job to look after it. I'm not going to do anything. If you want to overwater it and flood this container and break it because it's fragile as, then you can do that. If you forget about it and you don't water your plant, it's not going to grow, it's going to die and that's your problem as well. You know, life is hard. Um, but if you want to look after it, if you want to maintain it, if you want to keep checking in, making sure the, the dirt is moist and all that sort of stuff, I don't know. I made up, I'm not an agricultural person at all, but I made up some stuff. It sounded good and my kids listened and they were super keen and super eager to do this. And so I don't know if you've done it, but it says you take the soil, there's like a little tablet of soil and you place it in a plate and, or a bowl and you put some water on and within like 30 seconds or something like that, it's going to grow. Okay, so I didn't have plates, so we used paper, because I thought 30 seconds, it's not going to be on the paper for very long, and um, we pour some water on, and three or four minutes later, nothing had changed. <laughs> it wasn't 30 seconds, nothing happened, like, and so I was like, look guys, okay, look, these plants have been sitting there for a year, maybe two years, so the soil might just need a bit of work, you know, we might just need to force this to happen, and so... Um, they poured some more water on, you know, just flooding the soil, trying to get it. And I was like, look, guys, we might need to get our fingers in there. And this is like a rock-hard tablet of soil. And they're breaking it, trying to grind their fingers in. The paper's getting all ripped and mushy, and the desks are covered in water. And it was definitely a male's classroom. It was terrible, okay? But eventually we got some form of more soil, and they were able to fill their pot, and they put their seeds in, they put the soil on top, and watered it, and uh, two weeks later, two weeks go by, my kids have been really onto it, you know, watering their plants and everything, and there's nothing to show for it, there is no sprouting, some of it, and one of my kids was like, look, Mrs. Spicer, my one says within four to seven days, we're going to get growth, it's been two weeks, (laughs) And there's nothing there. I was like, look, guys, these plants have been sitting there for a long time. It might just need a bit more time. And by the end of the term, we had about four or five plants that had sprouted. The rest were just dirt. And they looked all dried and shriveled, and it was terrible. But my kids, being the detectives that they were, they figured out that the, five, the four or five that had actually grown were the ones were, that had been packaged in a little sealed tight packet. See, when they got the seeds, no one had a choice about what seed they were going to get because life is hard and they need to learn that. But there were two types of seeds. There was one seed that comes in a little, a little circle paper. I don't know if you, you've done this, but there's one that's like a little paper film and there's some seeds that have been scattered on it. And you just place that whole thing in the dirt, okay? There's another type of seed that's kept precious, and it's sealed tight, and you've actually got to take the seeds out and place them in the dirt. See, what my kids figured out, what I figured out, is that there's two types of seeds. There's a seed that is scattered, and there's a seed that is precious. And I've, I've spoken a couple of years ago about the parable of the sower and how he goes out and he scatters the seed. And some seed, I t- talked about how some seed landed on good soil, some seed landed on bad soil, some seed landed on in weeds, some seed landed on the footpath, some seed landed wherever. And I talked about what that meant. But the image I want you to think about when you hear that is this guy going out and he's got his bag full of seed. The ground is ready and he's scattering the seed and he actually doesn't really care where it lands. As long as some of it lands on good soil, he knows that he's going to reap a return. 
So he's going around scattering, and if some lands on the rock, and if some lands on the footpath, that's fine. But then you fast forward to something like Psalms 126, where it says, he that goes forth weeping. All of a sudden, you have a different image. And if you read the commentary on the scripture, a lot of them say, think of something like this. Think of one year. The parable of the sower has gone out. This farmer's gone out with his bag full of seed, and he's scattered the seed. And he's stoked because he's got seed to scatter, and he scatters it, and some lands on good soil, some lands on the footpath. He doesn't really care as long as some lands on the good soil. And then he goes away, he comes back, he waters it, and as he goes through the season, he waters the seed, and maybe something happens. Maybe the seed is growing, and then some raiders come along and burn it down, or they chop it down. Maybe there was a drought. And all of a sudden, it's harvest time. All of a sudden, he comes out to reap the return of what he had sown, and there's nothing there. Maybe a few handfuls of wheat. And he takes it back to his house, and he, he, he gets the seed from it, and he puts it in the storehouse, and that's all he got is what is a handful of seed. And now it's time to plant again. It's a new season. And so he goes and he gets his handful of seed and he walks to, in those days it might have been seven, eight miles to his farm. And he walks, he doesn't have the bag full of seed. He gets to his farm and he sees the weeds, he sees the footpath, he sees all the boulders, the rocks, he sees the good soil and he goes over to the good soil. And all he's got is this precious handful of seeds. And you can imagine him going through his mind. He's like, I did this last season. I planted good, good seed and nothing came. What if it happens again? This is all I have left. This is what's precious to me. And you can imagine him kneeling down to the ground in the perfect spot where the good soil is, making sure to stay away from weeds, making sure to stay away from the footpath where the good soil is. And he's thinking, do I... Do I sow this in the hopes that maybe I'm going to get something back, but with the fear that I'm going to lose it all? Or do I hold on to what's precious to me? And you can imagine he's toiling with this tossing and turning, like, do I sow it or do I hold on to it? And everyone here has something precious to them. You've gone through some stuff. Maybe you sowed into your marriage and they still left you after all these years. Maybe you sowed into your relationships for years and years and years and you still feel alone. Maybe you sowed into your work for years and years, working up the career chain, and then you lost your job. You've lost it all. And then God comes along and says, that which is most precious to you, would you sow it into the ground? He that goes forth weeping. There is a certain type of seed I have learned that is so precious, it is kept airtight, that no one sees it. I've reaped some precious seed in my life and no one here will ever know, maybe one or two, because the sister's here. But a lot of you will never know what I went through to reap that return. The precious seed. Everyone here has a precious seed and is kept so close to you. It is your everything. 
Maybe you're going through some stuff. And you've been battling it for years and years and years. You've done everything they told you to do. You watered that seed exactly like they said. You read scripture. You prayed. You believed for years. And still, you're battling depression. You're battling anxiety. Still, you sowed for years and years and years into your children, and they still walked away from God. I don't know what your precious seed is, but everyone here has a precious seed. And one time God will come along, maybe a couple of times in your life, and he'll say, he'll say, I don't want your scattered seed. I don't want the ordinary. I don't want the normal. I don't want how you've always done it. I want your precious. And you don't have to do it, but he'll say, look, this is the opportunity. If you would sow your precious, he that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, without a doubt. This is a different type of seed. This isn't a scattered seed where some will grow and some won't grow, where some will grow a little bit and then die, where some seed will not even grow at all. This is a seed that, if sown, you will doubtless, without a doubt, reap a return. But weeping. It takes weeping. It is a precious seed. You look at someone like Abraham, this mighty man of God, this man of faith, and he sowed for years and years into his child. For 20 years, he prayed, believing God would give him a son. He even tried to force it to happen. And God's like, no, 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 I'm gonna give you your son. And then finally, after 20 years, he bears a child, Isaac, his precious. He sowed, he scattered his seed, he sowed, and he reaped a return. And then God comes along a few years later, and he says, hey, you know that thing that's most precious to you? You know what you reaped? Some of you have reaped. I believe God blesses certain people just to see if they will sow into him again. And Abraham was blessed, and then God comes, hey, you know your child in Genesis 22? Genesis 22, verse 2, it says, God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. He's precious. Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. And so now Abraham's faced with this situation because, of course, he doesn't have to do it. He's got everything he wanted. He's reaped his return. He's, he's content. He's satisfied. He's happy. And now he's got this opportunity. Do I sow my precious? Do I sow my precious seed? And he ends up going on a three-day journey to the foot of this mountain, and he sets his donkey aside, he sets his servants aside, he takes the wood for the altar, and he puts it on his own son's back. The one who was gonna be sacrificed carried the wood for the sacrifice. What a picture that years later, the son of God would climb a mountain called Calvary, the same mountain, the exact same mountain, put wood on his back, 
and offer himself as a sacrifice. And so Abraham and Isaac climbed this mountain, and Isaac is 17 years old at this time. He's 17 years old. He's not a small boy. And you can imagine him climbing this mountain. The Bible says he looks around, and he sees the wood on his back. He sees his dad with the knife, and they're climbing this mountain. He's like, but dad, the wood is here, and the knife is here. Where's the lamb? And Abraham says, Jehovah Jireh will provide. Our Lord will provide. Don't worry. Our Lord will provide. Fully knowing that he is the lamb. He was the sacrifice. They get to the top of the mountain. They set up this altar. Everything's ready. Isaac looks around again. But where's the lamb? And you can imagine Abraham goes over to Isaac with some rope. And as he's binding his hands, he says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. He places Isaac on that altar and he raises his knife. You can imagine the anguish he's going through. All the faith in the world won't take away your emotion. People will think the more faith you have, probably the easier it is. You're still struggling with the same emotion. The same, same doubt. What if, what if this doesn't work? God's asked me to do this. What am I really doing this for? And he's about to bring the knife down. An angel of the Lord cries out, stop, Abraham, stop. Now I know. Now I know that you are willing to give what is most, most precious to you. And one of the only times in Scripture I can find, God says to Abraham, I swear to you. I swear to you, Abraham, I will bless you. One of the only times I can find where God says, I will swear to you that I will bless you as the stars are in the sky, so shall your seed be. That is the power of a precious seed. Romans 12.2. I'm not going to read out the whole scripture, but it talks about how that there is the good will of God. There is the acceptable will of God. And then, then, then there is the perfect will of God. And so you can go through life scattering seed, and that's great. That's the good will of God. You can go through life, come to church, read your Bible. That's acceptable. That's great. But there is also the perfect will of God. He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing. I don't know what your precious is. I don't know what you hold most dear. But my question is, would you be willing to, to sow it? You don't have to, but would you be willing to sow it? There's a story, I don't know if you've heard about it, a true story about a man by the name of John Griffiths. Way back in 1920s, he was moved to America and him and his wife and God blessed him with a beautiful baby boy. He was his everything. And this man, John Griffiths, following his dreams and a working man living the American dream with his family and 
All of a sudden, 1929 comes along with the great stock market crash and he loses everything. He lost it all. And so he picks up his, his family, his wife and his baby boy and they move to Mississippi and he gets a job as a bridge operator and his sole purpose now is to raise a bridge so that the ships can go through and lower the bridge so that the trains can come by. Come by. And he talks about it afterwards how, how hard it was for him to lose all his dreams, all his hopes, and then his job is to watch other people go by following theirs. And as his son grows up, you know, he idolizes his father and he wants to see what he's doing and he's asking, can I come see you at work? Can I see what you do? Can you, can you show me around? And he asks and asks and finally his father relents and says, yes, okay, you can come along. And then that morning he's showing him all the levers and gears and buttons and cogs and how everything works and amazed, you know, when you lift this lever up, the bridge rises um, guessing it's a lever, I don't actually know what, yeah, if you lower the lever, the bridge comes down, and watch this train go by, and watch these ships go through, and his son's like mesmerized, how incredible watching his hero at work, and then he raises the bridge, and you know, it's 12 o'clock, raises the bridge, some ships go through, and then they head off to have lunch, him and his son at work. And time flies by and all of a sudden it's 107 and he hears the train whistle go. And he looks over and he's left the bridge up. And so as, you know that, you know when you're trying to be super serious but with a child you're as calm as you can, he says, stay here, I'll be right back. And so he runs across and heads towards the control room and He's about to pull the lever down and he looks towards the sea to make sure there's no ships going through and he looks down towards all the gears and cogs to make sure they're all free and to his shock and horror, he sees his child has fallen into the gears. He's tried to follow him towards the operating, the, the room and he's fallen and he's stuck in the gears. And all of a sudden, he's struck with this impossible decision because as soon as he lowers the lever, the bridge will come down and the cogs will move and he'll crush his son. And he talks about the heartbreak, the agony of trying, like he ran through every possibility he could and as the train whistle blows again, he's got seconds to quickly pull the lever down. And he says he closed his eyes and weeping, he crushed his precious so that 400 people could go on a train. You know, he said, the second most shocking thing, apart from losing his son, was that when he looked through those train windows, no one cared. No one knew what he had just sacrificed. There were kids eating ice cream. There was a conductor going by. There was people laughing and just full of conversation. And here he was weeping and broken. I think he even cried out, don't you know what I just sacrificed? Don't you know what I just did? In church, we serve a God who 2,000 years ago sacrificed his own son. And I would hate to think 
that he gave up his own son, turned his back on his child so that we could just casually go on by offering the ordinary, offering the acceptable, offering the normal, scattering average seed and not willing to offer what was most precious to you. Would you be willing to offer your precious? Would you be willing to offer what you hold most dear to you? He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. You can go on with your ordinary. You can go on with your normal. But all of you have a choice when God comes and asks, would you offer me your precious? Would you sow your precious? Would you put it into a ground that you cannot see what is happening? Where it's unknown, where you don't know if it's growing or working. Would you take it out of that sealed packet? All of us have a precious seed. And all of us will have the opportunity to at some point sow it. And my question is, will you? Come on, church, let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for this opportunity we have. Lord, we just thank you for the seed you have given us. We thank you for the ability we have to sow and we have to reap. And Lord God, we thank you that we can scatter seed. Lord God, as we go throughout this week, I just pray that you would reveal a precious seed to everyone. Lord God, I pray that you would give them the opportunity, give everyone here, everyone online, the opportunity. They don't have to take it. But Lord God, I pray right now that you would make it known. And Lord God, I pray that you would give us the strength we have to sow a precious seed. In your name we pray, amen.